Amen. Truly, we've got to get our nation back to God. These children that's dismissing for, for children's church, I'm afraid they'll never know the America that I grew up in. I'm afraid they'll never know the America that most of you here today grew up in and how sad that is. Church, we've got to take back our nation. We've got to take back this country that's being stole from, uh, you know, from us, from the liberals and the ungodly people. And today I want to talk to you about standing bold for the cause. And folks, if, we are, if there's any hope of us taking this nation back, we as God's people got to begin to stand bold against the enemy. In just two days, July the 4th, we'll celebrate the 247th birthday of this great nation in which we live. November the 19th, 1863. Then-President Lincoln delivered what is known as the Gettysburg Address, and it begins with these words I'm sure most of us know. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. You know, this nation was conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are uh, created equal, but because this great nation was founded on Judeo-Christian values. But as I look around at America today, I wonder what our founding fathers would see and what they would think. I wonder if our, father, our founding fathers would really look at us as one nation under God. These founding fathers and those who fought for the cause, folks, they sacrificed much in order to see that the birth of this great nation is what was born in a way that would be pleasing to God. They boldly took a stand for what they believed would please God as they was founding this great nation in which we live. But what has happened to the, the boldness what has happened to the backbone of men and women today who call themselves Christians? Dr. Jerry Falwell is remembered as a prominent voice in the Christian conservative community. You may remember Dr. Falwell. He founded the Moral Majority in 1979, and he credited his organization with helping getting Ronald Reagan uh, elected president in 1980. Even after stepping down from leading the moral majority in 1987, he continued to speak boldly in his opposition of such things as abortion, gay marriage, uh, bans on school prayer, and many other issues he felt was destroying this nation. Now, speaking at Dr. Falwell's funeral in 2007, Franklin Graham had some things to say about Dr. Falwell. Quote, Dr. Falwell believed there was only one way to heaven, and if you didn't go through the blood of Jesus Christ, you wasn't going to get there. Another thing that Graham had to say, Dr. Falwell believed that a child in his mother's womb should be protected from human life. Boy, both of those things are some controversial things, aren't they? Uh, I mean, way out there in left field for people who believe things like that, some would say. Also, Graham went on to say, now get this one. <laughs> Boy, you talking about Dr. Falwell maybe being way out in left field? Here's what Graham said about Dr. Falwell. 
he had the nerve to believe that a man should only marry a woman. My gosh, can you imagine someone believing something that radical? Look, whether you like Dr. Falwell or not, the reason he was treated the way he was treated by the news media, by many politicians, because Dr. Falwell was willing to stand for what he believed in, and he stood with boldness even though he was viewed a controversial person. Folks, if we are going to stand on biblical values, if we're going to stand on the Word of God, we will be controversial and we have to be controversial. If there ever was a time we needed some people to stand and be controversial, I want to suggest to you that is today. This world and our government, they're trying to dictate what is right and what is wrong and what they're dictating goes totally against what the Word of God has to teach. You know, and some people will sit back, those who call themselves Christians, they sit back and they say, well, we shouldn't want to cause any trouble, or I don't want to stir up things. I, I don't want to be controversial. I don't want to be labeled and sounded like a political person. Folks, this is not a political thing. This is a biblical thing. What we're going through here in our nation, folks, is, is society has gone totally against the way the Bible has to say what God's word has to say, what God's word calls sin, society has tried to just turn it completely around. And you hear some comments from people like, well, pastor, you better not get political from the pulpit. We might lose our tax exempt uh, status. Let me tell you something, pastors, you know, we're losing more than, uh, than our tax exempt. We're losing our nation. We're losing this great nation that many have given their lives to to secure we are losing the united states of america because of the spineless and, and lack of backbone on the on the part of not only those behind the pulpit but those within the pews also it's time we begin to stand boldly for the cause of jesus christ to stand boldly for the word of god and what the word of god teaches when it comes to sin and evil because uh like I said, I, I have had a person tell me recently that their pastor told them that he and a couple of other pastors have distanced themselves from me because they view me as too political. And they don't want to be seen around me. They don't want to be associated with me. But like I say, my, 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 my response is praise God. Pastors, if you're afraid to speak out, if you don't have the backbone to speak out on the current issues of today, you're part of the problem. You're part of the reason that we're where we are as a nation today. Get some backbone, take a stand, be bold for the cause. We need pastors, we need people in our church body that is willing to step up, willing to speak up, would not, and not shut up just because some may think you're being controversial. Today, if you preach the Bible, again, you're going to be controversial because you're going to go against what society truly believes. We need godly men in our pulpit who aren't concerned what others are going to say about them and not afraid to speak boldly and call sin, sin. We need a church body that is willing to be controversial also, and we need a church body that is willing to tell their pastor, just preach the word. 
Don't worry about what others are going to think. Just preach what the Word of God teaches. Church, we're in the shape we're in as a nation today because people are not willing to take a stand for righteousness. They're not willing to take a stand for what God calls sin. Now, I guess we'll finally get to our scripture text in Luke 4. Look at Luke 4, 1 through 4. We can see that there are times that we must take a stand and speak boldly about the sin and the wrongdoing that's going on around us. Here's what we can see in this example. Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. And they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. Now I want you to notice who came upon Peter and John as they were preaching. The religious people. Do you, do you see that there? They were preaching Jesus Christ, and now we see, you know, the captain of the temple, we see the Sadducees, they come to him, uh, to them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid their hands on them. That means they grabbed them, okay? That means they, they was going to arrest them. They laid their hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was evening tide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of men, now don't miss this, because they had the boldness to stand up and preach the word of God, to preach Jesus Christ, 5,000 people were saved. Now what would have happened if they would have shut up when the religious people told them to shut up? What would have happened if they would have shut up when the church member said, we don't want to hear this because it's too controversial? God help us. God help us. Let's see, let, let's see when controversial is justified. First of all, their, uh, their message was Jesus, not ideology. Okay? Look at verse 2. And being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. It's important to note here that Peter and John were not attempting to push their views on the people. Rather, they proclaimed Jesus Christ and his resurrection, which was a very controversial topic at the time. You see, we don't need to try and push our views upon another person. Simply stand on God's word. Share Jesus Christ and don't back down when it comes to sin and let the chips fall where they may. Just be obedient to the word of God. Let the chips fall where they may. Too many get in trouble trying to debate an issue rather than finding out what the word of God has to say for it and take your stand there. If we take our stand on what the word of God has to say, folks, they've got a problem. And they, you know, they can't, we're, we're not debating issues. We're just uh, proclaiming the word of God. It's not you judging that person. It's you taking a stand on what the word of God has already judged as sin. Look, maybe this is one reason we're not seeing people saved at the way we did 15 or 20 years ago. When Peter preached Jesus, when Peter, Peter preached his word, when Peter preached his resurrection and did so with conviction, 5,000 men were saved. Look at here. This world does not need your opinion. This world does not need my opinion. Okay? You know, they don't need our opinion on why they should not get an abortion. 
They do not need our opinion on why drugs are destroying them and this nation. They do not need our opinion on why they shouldn't marry someone of the same sex. They do not need our opinion on the, why this nation is in the moral cesspool that it's in. Look, what this world needs are God's people willing to stand up, willing to speak up, and willing to be controversial when it comes to proclaiming Jesus Christ and when it comes to proclaiming His Word and what His Word has to say about sin. The Word of God speaks louder and with more authority than your opinion and my opinion. Look, the world can argue and disagree with your views or my views, and they can win, okay? Because everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got a view. But listen to me. They cannot, they cannot disagree with the Word of God and win because the Word of God is just that. It's God's holy Word, and it's already judged sin. Now, the second thing here is we must speak with boldness. Look at verse 13. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Don't miss that. When they saw how boldly Peter and John stood up and spoke boldly against this controversial topic, they said, These guys must have been with Jesus. They must have been with Jesus. For them to have this much heartfelt boldness about this, they must have been with Jesus. Look, this word boldness is just the opposite of timidity. We've got too much timidity in our pulpits. We've got too much timidity in our pews. Again, what we need is some boldness back within the church to take a stand on ungodliness. They believed what they believed, okay? And because of this, they were able to speak with boldness. It means that in spite of the danger, in spite of opposition, they stood firm on their convictions. They believed what they believed, and and because of this, they, they were able to speak with the boldness of which they spoke. You know, it's always amazed me how some people, they don't have a problem inviting somebody to church, okay? They don't have a problem inviting someone to to Sunday school or or whatever. But when it comes to saying, well, why don't you invite them to Jesus? Some people step back, well, that's, that's a little bit too, being a little too bold, okay, to invite them to Jesus. And when you say, well, why don't you confront them about the sin in their life? Oh, no, 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 you know, because they're going to think I'm judging them. Again, folks, the Bible has already judged sin. The Bible calls sin, sin, okay? Now, I'm not saying we should go up to everybody and, and if we see them doing something wrong, you know, start, you know, pointing a finger at them and tell them they're a sinner. But when they come to you asking your opinion, give them your opinion based upon God's word. Because if you don't, they're going to assume that you are saying the lifestyle they're living is okay. 
And again, let me just point that out again. I'm not saying go around to people and say, you're, li- you know, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong. You know, we, we, we don't do that. But if they asked your opinion, give them your opinion based upon the word of God. Again, if you don't, they are going to assume you are saying, just stay doing what you're doing. There's nothing wrong with it. Look, if you've truly been with Jesus, you should have no problem sharing Jesus, nor no problem standing on the word of God and sounding the alarm when sin is running rampant around us. You see, Peter and John could display such boldness and stand firm on what they believe because they had been with Jesus and had a passion for Jesus and had a passion for his word. Where has the passion for Jesus Christ gone within the church? Where has the passion for the word of God gone within the church? We have a lot of people in our churches who come week after week after week, but very few people in our churches that's been with Jesus. Look, being with Jesus will change who you are. Purposing his word in your heart will change who you are. And standing on your principles will then give you the boldness to speak the word of God. You see, it was their courage and boldness that caused the Sanhedrin court to come to the conclusion, these guys have been with Jesus. Can people look at your boldness? Can people look at your, you know, convictions? Can people look at your principles and say, well, they must have been with Jesus? I'm afraid that for most within our churches, they could never be accused of being with Jesus because of the stand they take on sin. How many people within our churches could have such boldness that they could be accused of being with Jesus. Better yet, how many people within our pulpit, how many men within our pulpits could be accused of being with Jesus because of the boldness and the conviction of which they preach the word of God? God help us. So our message must not be our views, rather the word of God, and we must speak it with boldness. And number three, their commitment was heartfelt. Look at verse 20. It was heartfelt, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Don't miss that. We can't shut up, they were saying. We can't help but speak this. We can't help but proclaim Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Yes, it may be controversial to you, but it's a heartfelt thing with us. It's a passion within us. It is a fire burning within us that we have to share. Look, I believe another thing lacking in our churches today are the heartfelt commitments which result in a purpose in the lives of God's people. They purposed in their heart not to quit. They purposed in their heart not to be silent. They purposed in their heart, you know, to be committed to the cause. Is there purpose in the hearts of the men in our pulpits today? Is there purpose in the hearts of the people in the congregation today to, 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 to have this be committed to the cause? Look, when you realize what God has done for you, there's nothing or there's no one going to stand in your way to speak the cause. Peter and John purposed in their heart 
that God had done so much for them, that God had done so much to allow them to allow the world to discourage or scare them from doing what they were called to do because they realized Jesus has done so much for me. I'm not going to shut up. Has Jesus Christ really done enough for you to silence your mouth? If you say yes, you've got a problem. You've got a problem. You see, to purpose something in one's heart is to fix it there, is to establish it there. Look, we as children of God must ask ourselves if the word of God is really fixed in our heart. Is it really fixed in our heart? Is it really established in our heart? Or is it just words on the page of an old book? And how sad, that's how some people, even within our churches, look at it. It's just words in an old book. Good reading. But that's about as far as it goes. You know, Jeremiah. Jeremiah, you know, discouraged, was discouraged because of sin within the nation. And he said this in Jeremiah 20, verse 9. Then I said, now again, understand, he was discouraged because of the sin within the nation. He had been preaching the the word. He had been proclaiming the word. People weren't responding to the word. He got discouraged. And here's what he said. I will not make mention of him no more. (laughs) I'm just going to shut up. It's not doing a bit of good. I'm just going to shut up, nor speak any more in his name. Okay? He had done made the conclusion, I'm going to shut up. Not doing a bit of good. But look at the next thing. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary and forbearing and I could not stay. In other words, I couldn't shut up. Because it was a fire within my bones. It was a purpose within my heart. It was stayed there in my heart. And I had to speak up. I couldn't be quiet. Jeremiah is saying here that the word of God was so purposed in his heart that when he tried his very best to shut his mouth and to not speak about God and and what God had done for him, it was like a fire in his bones. And he just had to tell it. He just had to tell it. Look, as Christians, we must not be ashamed or timid to the point that we do not speak up concerning the Word of God and concerning the evil that is within this world. It ought to be a fire in our bones, folks. It ought to be a fire in our bones that we just, the sin that we see going on around us, it just just affects us so much, it hurts us so much that we just, we've got to speak out against it. You know, I like the way Eugene Peterson in his message, the message uh, proclaimed this, as as Jeremiah again was feeling discouraged because it seemed like his preaching was in vain. Here's the way Eugene Peterson, I like some of his stuff. He says this, Jeremiah cried out, You pushed me into this, God, and I let you do it. You you, you were too much for me, and now I'm a public joke. You see, Jeremiah felt like everybody was laughing at him because, oh, you, you, you know, you really believe that stuff? You really believe homosexuality is a sin? You really believe home, uh, abortion is a sin? You really believe that a man should marry a woman and not another man or vice? You really believe that nonsense? You're a joke, Jeremiah. You're a joke. 
They poke fun at me. Every time I open my mouth shouting, murderer or rape, and all I get from my God's warnings are insults and contempt. How do you think Jeremiah was feeling about this time? But if I say, forget it. In other words, forget it. I'm not going to open my mouth no more. No more God's messages for me. I'm tired of being laughed at. I'm tired of being mocked. I'm tired of pastors saying, I don't want nothing to do with you because you're too political. I'm tired of this. The words, he says, though, are in my belly. They're a fire within my belly, a burning within my bones. You know, I'm worn out trying to hold it in. Oh, don't miss that. I'm wore wore out trying to hold this in. I can't do it any longer. Can you kind of get an idea of what Jeremiah was feeling like at that point? I can't do it any longer. Jeremiah couldn't be silent concerning the sin around him. And even though he felt like giving up, he couldn't because the word of God was so fixed within his heart, he couldn't keep his mouth shut. Is the word of God really fixed in your heart to the point that you can't shut up about the issues that are going around today in this world that are destroying this nation? Because you say, you know, we can't be controversial. We can't, you know, we can't rock the boat. Can I suggest to you, if your mentality is we shouldn't rock the boat as Christians, I want to suggest, folks, it's time to turn the sucker over. Not just rock that boat, but turn the boat over. You know, I'm just going to be honest with you and transparent here. Sometimes I feel the same way as I look around at all the evil that's going on in the world today. And it seems like the harder I preach against it, the worse it gets. You know, and and sometimes I just want to give up and say, what's the use things are going to happen the way God wants them to happen anyway? And isn't that true? Things are going to happen the way God wants them to happen anyway, so why preach against it? Why take a stand? Why be bold for the cause? I'll I'll just be quiet about it. I'll not preach about the issues, and I'll not say anything about sin in the way other past that way other pastors won't look at me as being too political. They won't look down on me, and maybe they'll go out somewhere and eat with me if I just shut up. If I just shut up. I'll preach the feel-good messages. I'll preach those feel-good messages that tickles the ears of the people and just go about my business without any ridicule from anyone. But then, just like Jeremiah, here it comes again. Okay, I can't shut up when I see over 4,000 babies a day being killed and their body parts being sold for profit. I can't shut up when I see homosexual couples thumbing their noses in the face of God and then society teaching my children that homosexuality is a normal way of life. I can't shut up. You know, I can't shut up when I see the Ten Commandments removed, you know, in the darkness of night because a handful of ungodly people say those Ten Commandments are offensive to me. I 
can't shut up. I can't shut up when a coach in a high school can't pray with his team before a game or after a game. I can't shut up. Church, these aren't political issues. These are biblical issues, and we must not be ashamed or afraid to take a stand against them. Pastors, if you believe the Bible teaches that life begins at conception, then boldly preach that abortion is murder, that abortion is sin. If you believe that God instituted marriage between one man and one woman, then boldly preach that same-sex marriage is a sin. If you you believe, you know, that, that, you know, truly believe that what God's word calls sin is sin, then boldly proclaim whatever that issue might be. Those are not political issues. Those are biblical issues. Okay? And the reason there is, think about this. The reason there are issues to begin with, okay, listen to me closely here. The reason that same-sex marriage is an issue, the reason that abortion is an issue, the reason that Ten Commandments can be taken down because they're offensive to someone, the reason that they're issues to begin with is because the Christian community did not see them as sin and take a stand on that when they first began to happen. So now, yes, they become issues. God commands us. As his pastors, God commands us as his prophets and his messengers to warn the people not to hide behind our pulpits. To warn the people. Ezekiel, you know, had this to say. He said, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give the warning." That's what God is saying to the leaders of our churches today and the leaders of this nation who are Christian leaders. Give the warning. But is the warning really being given? That's in Ezekiel 3. You can go read it for yourself. So our message must be a warning, not a warning of our views, rather a warning of the Word of God and that, it, that what sin is and, be, and speak it with boldness and with heartfelt commitment. You know, I think it's time that we as the children of God begin to take back our nation and once again become one nation under God. I'm sad to say that I don't believe we're no longer one nation under God. We're one nation under many gods. Many gods. No different than Athens was years ago. And that one God, I hope this ain't too bold what I'm fixing to say here, that one God that we should be a nation under is God Jehovah, not Allah. I hope I wasn't being too bold to put down Allah. Folks, it's God Jehovah. 
and him only. Look, if we want our nation back, we're going to have to begin taking it back. And the way we take it back is to boldly stand, call sin, sin, call evil, evil, and do it with the passion that Peter and John did. But that's going to only happen when the pulpits of of America once again begins hating sin as much as God hates sin. I'm afraid that the pulpits in America don't really hate sin. I'm afraid because the pulpits in America doesn't really hate sin that the people in the pews don't really hate sin. And because the pastors don't hate sin, the people don't hate sin, then society don't hate sin. You want to know why society is the way it is today? Because of right here and right there. We can put the blame on Satan. It ain't Satan's fault. It's the fault of God's people because we haven't stood since the 60s especially. That's when I really seen it starting going downhill. We didn't stand boldly for the cause when we saw society beginning to accept the things that the Bible called sin. God help us. As a church, God help us as a nation. We've got to take our country back, folks. And it has to start right here, right here with God's people. But again, that's going to only happen when we begin hating sin as much as God does and, and, and begin supporting and encouraging pastors to stand bold for the cause, not get on to them because they're being political. They're being political. I want to do something a little different this morning as far as an invitation. I want us to, I'm going to ask Debbie to come back up here and sing that song again, We've Got to Get America Back to God. Because, folks, that's what we have to do. That's what we have to do. Nothing wrong with us loving our land, but we need to get back to God. Whatever happened to when God we trust, prayer has been met and taken from us. When will we say? What have we done to stop their tears? 
Christians rise up, let America hear. We will take our country back to God. We've got to get America back to God. We've got to Bye.